Hey Way is sponsored by our mystery thriller giveaway. Mystery and thriller readers, this one is for you. We're giving away the 10 best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far to one lucky Book Riot reader or podcast listener. The prize pack includes Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash bestmysteries to enter to win, and don't forget to leave your lights on. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording way, way too early on Thursday, September 12th, 2019. Hello, Eric. Hello, good morning. Good morning. I'm I, I'm not sure how I feel about this morning recording stuff. <laughs> It's a little tricky. Uh, listeners might hear my baby in the background. He's fine. Don't worry. Uh, I think we're both just in the heart of major convention season. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I mean, this is that time of year for, for books. I'm leaving like right after I record this for Nashville for the SCBWI going down there. And then our next recording, I'm at a conference in Red Bank. And oh my God, I'm <laughs> I'm just so tired. I want to sleep on a pile of books and like absorb the story through osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm in a hotel in New Orleans right now as we record for a um, journalism conference, which is great so far. But my hotel is under construction, so um, it's kind of a disaster everywhere but the room. The room is renovated, so it's pretty nice. Uh, but they're doing construction literally under my room, so um, listeners are going to enjoy some drills and some trucks and some, you know, other under construction sounds. Uh, I was in a in an elevator with another uh, guest yesterday, and we were looking at each other and not talking. And then he goes, "So the ambience in this in this hotel, it's it's pretty great, isn't it?" And we both started laughing and said, "Well, at least the rooms are nice. So it's not like the rooms are you know scary. It's just the rest of it is." That sounds good. Yeah. So. What are you reading? What have you been reading? How are you going to read during conference time? Yeah, well, I packed one book with me to take to the conference, and it's uh, Spell Hacker by M.K. England. Um, so she wrote that really funny like sci-fi romp, The Disasters, last year, which has like this great cover of this helmet that's all messed up. Um, and yeah, she just writes these really great books about like characters in genre novels having a really hard time and <laughs> things are very funny um it's not in that like old-timey fantasy sci-fi novel sort of funny um like i don't know i'm one of those really weird people that doesn't think douglas adams is particularly funny you know so like i like it when like genre humor is done really well and uh she is really really great at it um let me read the blip from the the back because i only just started it uh in kirkara Magic, known as Maz, was once a freely available natural resource. Then an earthquake released a magical plague, Kelly, there's a plague, uh, (laughs) killing thousands and opening the door for a greedy corporation to make Maz a commodity that's tightly controlled and, of course, outrageously expensive. Which is why Diz and her three best friends want a lucrative, highly illegal Maz siphoning gig on the side. Uh, Their next job is supposed to be their last heist ever. Um, but when their plan turns up a powerful new strain of Maz that literally blows up in their faces, they're driven to unravel a conspiracy at the very center of the spell plague, uh, and possibly save the world. 
No pressure. Uh, so this one doesn't come out until January, but I think it's one to watch. That Just a few couple introductory pages are making me so happy. Um, and I love the idea of there's, there's a magic plague, magic's illegal, and, you know, last heist ever are sort of famous last words. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. What about you? What's, what's in your, uh, your stack right now? I packed and started reading, I've read most of actually, um, Rules for Vanishing by Kate Ellis Marshall. And I think because of the combination of flight reading and being distracted in, in life stuff, I had a dead bat in my living room this week. Like, woke up to a dead bat in my living room. Oh my god. Yeah. And that required, like, getting to know the, the county animal control. It meant, like, emergency vet trips for two of the cats who needed rabies updates. And um, so, like, I've been distracted. Um, that was before I even came to New Orleans. And so I think... I think all of those things have made me not love this book as much as I want to. And... Um, it's one of those situations of like wrong book, wrong time. It's not bad. It's just like not clicking for me the way I want it to. And um, I guess, I guess this, this is a part of the show where we remind readers that like life is life. And sometimes you just don't read a lot of books or books don't connect with you kind of in the way you, you hope it, it will or hope they do because you've just got so much else going on. You know, you're no less a reader if you read one book a year versus if you read, you know, a hundred. It's, it's all about that feeling of, of being a reader and understanding sometimes a book that you're so excited about just doesn't, doesn't click for you. And it's not the book. It's, you know, it's a million other reasons. Yeah. Don't let yourself be controlled by the, uh, the tyranny of your Goodreads challenge. You'll, you'll be okay. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Just like throw it out the window altogether, you know? And like, yeah, maybe maybe I'll reread this book down the road and like it differently, or I'll finish it and be like, okay, like that's fine. Um, there is another book I read recently I'm going to talk about in our first segment that I love, love, loved. So um, I'll hold off on, on raving about that until then. But let's let's hit our first sponsor, which is Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and some of the hottest fall book releases like The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, Children of Vice and Ven- Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi, and Over the Top by Queer Eyes' Jonathan Van Ness. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobook at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story and one that supports local community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best local booksellers. Listeners of HeyYA can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing you're supporting local bookstores. I use Libro FM. I just finished an audiobook with them, and uh, yeah, like it's been super helpful to have more than one audiobook resource and uh, be able to like blow through audiobooks when my reading life is not necessarily what I want it to be in print. It's cool. Yeah. No, it sounds good. So our, our first segment um, comes to us because we have a super fan named Liz who reached out to us about this topic. So thanks, Liz. Um, we actually highlighted this early, early, early on in the show. Like it must have been one of the first episodes. Mm-hmm. And Given the wave of 
seeing more and more of this come up, I think it's, it's worth revisiting. And that's, um, writing duos in YA. So, um, two authors teaming up to share a story. And, uh, I've never co-written with anyone, but I have it on my to-do list is the thing I'd love to try. Like as a writer, I love the idea of two voices coming together to create one thing and doing it in this way that either is purposely seamless or purposefully not at all seamless. Like, it's kind of like those group projects you dreaded in school, but without the dread, because you both have this common goal of making something awesome and melding your minds to do so. Most authors I know who've done it have really dug the process and learning a lot, even if they uh, don't necessarily choose to do it again. So like, you don't walk away thinking you did the entire thing on your own, like that project about chlamydia you did in health class, you know? Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> get something a little bit more satisfying out of it. Um, and I, I agree with what Liz said. I think there's been an uptick in these books lately. What, what about you? Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in like the last episode we talked about, um, when we talked about better choices for incoming freshmen and reading assignments, we talked about um, like Roomies by Sarah Zar and Tara mm-hmm. Altabrano that we liked a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, it's almost impossible to avoid spotting a co-written book Um I think maybe because of David Levithan. <laughs> um, I feel like if there's an award for most co-writing the YA community, I think maybe it's him. Like, uh, there's the book with Nina LaCour. There's uh, the one book with John Green, Will Grayson, Will Grayson from a while back. There's a whole bunch with Rachel Kahn. There's the Andrea Kramer book. Honestly, I think my new author goal is just to be successful enough that I can write books with my friends. Like, <laughs> like I know it's a lot more complicated than that, but I yeah. choose to believe that if my next novel does well enough... Someone will just greenlight the rom-com uh, you and me want to write one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, a, I definitely see a lot more of these. Um, you know, I, I thought of a bunch that, you know, have come out over the past few years, but I was trying to think of more co-written books that are recently out or will be, you know, released really soon. And there are a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. It's funny because as I was writing them down, I was like, I can't put everything down that I want to put down because I know you have to put some down too. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna fight about who gets to talk about some of these. So I'll start my. This is the the book I um, alluded to earlier, and it's Unpregnant by Jenny Hendricks and Ted Kaplan. And this is one of the funniest books I've read in a long time. Um, it came out this the week we're recording, so it's out by the time you listen to the show. And it's about a 17-year-old girl named Veronica who is pregnant. She doesn't want anybody to anybody to know about her being pregnant. Um, she attends a conservative religious high school. And while everyone knows she's got this serious boyfriend, Veronica has this reputation as this straight-A, um, straight-laced, Ivy League-bound girl. And she wants to maintain this reputation. So... When she takes this pregnancy test that falls on the floor in the bathroom and lands in front of Bailey, who is sort of the biggest loser in school and also Veronica's ex-friend from middle school, suddenly somebody knows her secret and it's somebody who could use that secret against her way too fast. So what ensues then is this road trip between Bailey and Veronica, where Bailey offers to drive a desperate Veronica from Missouri, where they live, to New Mexico to get an abortion over a single weekend. Um, in Missouri, abortions require parental permission, and Veronica doesn't want her parents to know. The closest clinic she can go to where she doesn't need to do that is in Albuquerque. So um, this road trip includes car accidents, strip club trips, aliens, and way, way more. Um, it's a romp. There's a really obviously heavy issue at hand, but um, it's tempered with so much laughter and this really 
heartening story of Veronica coming to terms with how she treats other people and Bailey coming to terms with the fact it's okay to open up um, with another person. Um, at heart, it's this beautiful friendship story. And um, yeah, it just, it takes on so much. And it sounds like you should not be successful to write a hilarious road trip novel about abortion. But um, Hendrix and Kaplan are television writers. And I feel like they totally get pacing and timing and get like how to weave those things together in a really wonderful way. Um, I hope more people pick up this book. I don't think it has the best cover, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, it gets at the fact that it's lighthearted, but I don't think having like a bright pink cover with a positive pregnancy test on it is necessarily the most appealing cover. Um, but I urge readers to pick it up. And that is Unpregnant by Jenny Hendricks and Ted Kaplan. Wow, that's super interesting because the cover does not relay what you just said at all. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point about the cover. I I like have an arc of it and like I kind of didn't pick it up because the, the cover didn't grab me um, yeah i hope it gets a, a better paperback cover because that's now now i'm gonna read this <laughs> yeah i wish it had like um like a road trip sort of cover yeah. to it but huh. what, what have you got <laughs> uh well i have uh dear haiti love elaine by uh micah molit and maritza molit so they're they're there's two sisters that co-write this co-wrote this book can you can you imagine trying to write something with someone in your family like <laughs> That's like a special kind of closeness. I can't even write directions or like order for takeout for someone in my family. Like, <laughs> never mind a book. Um, and it's one of those like structurally experimental novels that I really love so much. Um, I haven't read this one yet. It's, it's in my, my stack over here. Um, but let me read the, the description, uh, from the old, the old Goodreads page. Um, when a school presentation goes very wrong, uh, Elaine, uh, Beau Parlance finds herself suspended, shipped off to Haiti, uh, and writing the report of a lifetime. Uh, you might ask the obvious question, uh, and this is in the, 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 what's it called? The POV of the character. Uh, what do I, a 17 year old Haitian American from Miami with way too little life experience have to say about anything? Actually, a lot. Thanks to the incident, don't ask, I'm spending the next two months doing what my school is calling a spring volunteer immersion project. Uh, it's definitely no vacation. I'm toiling away under the ever-watchful eyes of Tati Estelle at her new nonprofit. Uh, and my leaning queen of a mother uh, is even here to make sure I do the right thing. Uh, or she might just be lying low to dodge the media sharks after a much more public incident of her own, or to hide a rather devastating secret. All things considered, there are some pretty nice perks, like flirting with Tati's distractingly cute intern, getting actual FaceTime with my mom, and experiencing Haiti for the first time. Uh, I'm even exploring my family's history, which happens to be loaded with betrayal, superstition, and even a possible curse. You know, typical drama, but it's nothing I can't handle. Uh, so yeah, so the book is told through letters and all kinds of neat things. Um, I really need to read this really soon, because I love when books do fun experimental things. No, it's funny because I've had this one sitting on my shelf for months and I like really want to read it. And your description makes me want to pick it up sooner. My next one is one that came out earlier this year and it is Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen. And my question is, why hasn't this book been bigger this year? It's this really knockout story about feminism and intersectionality and it's about friendship and it includes this really incredible poetry in it. So um, it follows two girls. One is Jasmine. She's a fat black girl whose father is dying of cancer. And then there's Chelsea, who's an average-sized white girl. Uh, they're best friends, and both are ready to start a revolution 
in their social justice focused high school, which um, despite the school and the school community being really conscious of a lot of things, it still falls into a lot of the traps of sexism, racism, sizeism, ableism, and so forth. Um, Forced to pick a club to be part of for the new year, the two of them decide that instead of taking part in an already established group, they'll begin their own group focused on feminism and empowering female identifying students. They start this uh, by creating a blog, and when the blog becomes this hit, the principal isn't happy about the attention it's getting, and after fighting back and causing chaos for members of the school community who are already undervalued, the duo reconsider how they can be better activists and change agents, uh, starting with the Writing Center, where both of them had found so much of their own voice at the school. Um, This is a really smart and empowering intersectional feminist novel. Jasmine and Chelsea, the main characters, are really complex and they're fallible leads, which I love, Um, particularly for a feminist story. The messier the main characters, the better. Um, Despite the fact that they are close, they fail one another throughout, and they fail to also achieve the goals that they've been representative of, too, uh, which I think makes them real and really relatable. Um, And of course, it makes them feminists, too. Uh, throughout the book, there's this really incredible poetry written by the girls. There are these great protest poems, poems of resistance, and poems about what it means to be female in America. Um, yeah, I love this book and want to see more people talking about it and reading it. Um, I mean, it's Renee Watson, so you know she's great. And Ellen Hagen is a poet, and her skills just like really shine in the, in the, um, narrative here. It's it's kind of like the one you just talked about, that it has a little bit of an interesting format. It does some different things, and uh, I highly, highly recommend it. And that is Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen. Awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't seen more about that one. Um, so let me see, who do I have next? Um, oh, yeah. So a big old space opera uh, is something I always like quite a bit. Uh, and this one is Zenith by Sasha Alsberg and Lindsay Cummings. Um, Sasha's a, a booktuber, I, I think. And uh, Lindsay's a, a YA author who's been around for quite a bit. Uh, and this is their their co-written, uh, I don't know, like sci-fi epic because his book <laughs> is gigantic. Um, I'm going to read a little blip, blip from here. Um most of uh, Andrama, Rosella, and the Bloody Baroness, uh, a powerful mercenary whose reign of terror stretches across the Mirabelle galaxy. Those above her glass starship, the Marauder, she's just Andy, their friend and fearless leader. Uh, but when a routine mission goes awry, the Marauder's all-girl crew is tested as they find themselves in a treacherous situation, the mercy of sadistic bounty hunter from Andy's past. Meanwhile, across the galaxy, a ruthless ruler waits in the shadows of the planet Zen, biding her time to exact revenge for the destruction of her people. The pieces of her deadly plan are about to fall into place, unleashing a plot that will tear Mirabelle in two. Uh, so, well, what did I want to specifically say about this one? Oh, yes! Uh, the one, the reason I thought this one was worth uh, bringing up, you know, I know it's a gigantic bestseller and all that, but the sequel just came out a couple months ago called Nexus. Um, that one dropped, uh, earlier this year. So if you're into big old space operas, <laughs> like I am, uh, <laughs> this one might be fun for you to check out. My next pick and my last pick, uh, for this little 
little romp into why writing duos this year is Yes, No, Maybe So by Aisha Saeed and Becky Albertalli. This one is out, I think, next month, and it's a book I am so looking forward to. It's about two teens who are volunteering for their local state senator, uh, one by choice and one by force, which I like to call being voluntold what to do. Neither is super stoked, though, about having to canvas door-to-door, but it's that little job that makes the two of them maybe start to fall in love. Uh, This is a book about political activism as well as about cross-cultural romance as uh, main character Maya is Muslim and Jamie is not. Uh, Both Albertalli and Saeed are such great writers and I can only imagine that as a team that this book is going to be dynamite and I love that it takes on local politics. Um, There's been a really great trend in political activism, uh, specific political activism this last year and um, in the coming year, we'll see more of it. And so I'm, I'm excited to read this and see, um, how it might empower young people to get involved locally, um, whether because they're going to politically canvas or, uh, maybe find fellow political activists that they can build relationships with. And that is Yes, No, Maybe So by Isha Saeed and Becky Albertalli. Oh, I'm so excited for that book. And also, how does Becky keep getting to write with all our favorite people? I, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Had that pairing with Adam. She has this one with, uh, with Aisha. Like, yes, awesome. Um, so two quick blips for me at the end here. Um, I know I talked a little bit about how I like my experimental books with the fun structures and how I like my space operas. Um, if you haven't picked up Illuminae by Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman, that might be worth scoping out. We've talked about it a bunch on here before. Um, it's packed full of found documents, interviews, articles, blacked out pages. Uh, I've seen, uh, Jay Kristoff's fans like tweeting at him saying like, thank you for, for killing them. Uh, apparently <laughs> sometimes he'll put like, fans of the books in as like tiny characters that sometimes get killed off in the, in the books which I think is very sweet and fun. Um, and yeah, there's three gorgeous books that look amazing that you'll want to brag about on your shelf. Um, and then the other ones, a, a quick nod to a book in my agent life and to someone Kelly has been talking to quite a bit. Um, uh, and that's when you get the chance by Tom Ryan and Robin Stevenson. Um, it's a co-written book about, uh, two gay teens on a road trip to Pride in Toronto, and it comes out of Running Press next year. And, uh, yeah, Tom Ryan's been on the podcast with Kelly talking about books, uh, for the past, uh, like two months. So, uh, yeah, that one's not until 2020, though. Oh, man, that book looks so great. It's got this beautiful cover to it that is very, like, Canadian. Oh, yeah, I love that cover. Oh, it's so good. Uh, do you want to hit our second sponsor? I do. So our second sponsor today is Penguin Random House Audio and Frankly in Love by David Yoon. Uh, Frankly has two names, his American one and his Korean name. No one even uses his Korean name, not even his parents, and he barely, barely speaks Korean. But his parents want him to end up with a nice Korean girl, which is a problem because he's currently dating the girl of his dreams. Uh, Brit Means, who also happens to be white. Uh, in an attempt to be with Brit without his parents finding out, Frank turns to his family friend Joy Song, who is in a similar situation. He thinks he's found all the solutions to all his problems until life, as it always does, throws him a curveball. This is the book that Jody Picoult, author of Small Great Things and A Spark of Light, said she loved, loved, loved. Frankly in Love is available wherever audiobooks are sold. Two friends, one fake dating scheme. What could possibly go wrong? Perfect for fans of John Green, Nicole Yoon, uh, and Rainbow Rowell. What could possibly go wrong? Hmm. Oh, hmm. fake dating. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Our next topic, I think, 
we were we were going back and forth on what we wanted to talk about, and I'd gotten this email from a publicist about a book that I had totally forgotten about coming out because there's so many like gigantic books coming out this oh, fall yeah. that some of the quieter books, some of the more um, I guess less splashy books are kind of easy to forget about. So we wanted to highlight some of them. Yeah, I mean, this oh my god, this fall. So like this fall, there's a new Marie Blue book in the Legend series. More Tahara Mafi, Kim Lidget's The Gracier, which everyone is all hyped up about. Uh, Nick Stone, Laura Ruby, Holly Black, a new book from Maggie Stiefvater, the new Children of Blood and Bone. Like, it's, it's, it's wild. There are all these big books coming, uh, and you're going to see them all on most anticipated lists, which is fine because people are very excited for them. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, it's a good idea to talk about books that maybe aren't all over the place and that we don't want you to, uh, we don't want you to sleep on. Bingo. Um, do you wanna do you wanna kick it off? Oh yes. So the light at the bottom of the world by London Shaw is probably like uh, it might be like my most anticipated book of the fall, and one of the ones I don't want people to miss out on. Um, I got to read a really really early copy of this one, and it's gorgeous. Uh, for you geeks out there who love video games like Bioshock, uh, it's the book you're waiting for. And if someone at the publishing house is listening, would you kindly? Send me a finished copy. That <laughs> joke is only funny if you've played Bioshock. It is not funny <laughs> otherwise. Um, here's a bit of the book from the publisher. Um, at the end of 21st century, the world has changed dramatically, but life continues 1,000 feet below the ocean's surface. In Great Britain, sea creatures swim among the ruins of Big Ben and the Tower of London, and citizens waver between fear and hope, fear of what lurks in the abyss, and hope that humanity will soon discover a way to reclaim Earth. Meanwhile, 16-year-old Layla McQueen has her own problems to deal with. Her father's been arrested, accused of taking advantage of victims of the seasickness, a debilitating malaise that consumes people, uh, often claiming their lives. But she knows he's innocent, and all she's interested in is getting him back so their lives can return to normal. Uh, at the heart of this book, there's a amazing, submersible race uh, that goes all around the uh, sort of underwater city. Um, there's a government that's pretty determined to... Uh, mess things up and keep her away from her father and, and keep some secrets buried. Uh, and yeah, at the heart of the story is a, a girl trying to save her dad um, in this amazing underwater uh, just epic. Um, <laughs> the book is awesome. I love it. I miss the Bioshock game so much. Uh, I think people are really going to love this one. And that is The Light at the Bottom of the World by London Shaw. It comes out oh dear, does it come out this month or October? <laughs> that I'm not sure of. I am failing the listeners. It either comes out in September or October. Just go look it up. Uh, it's, it is really, really great. My uh, my first pick is the book that inspired this segment, and that's The Liars and Mariposa Island by Jennifer Machu. Um, this seems to be one that people aren't talking about, which is weird because uh, Machu is so good, and the Moxie film will be out next year. So um, it seems like it should be, you know, being hyped a little bit more. This one um, is told in three voices, and it was inspired by Machu's own mother's story. Uh, it's out by the time listeners will listen to this episode. And since I haven't read it yet, I've got a copy on the way to me. Um, here's what it's about, this publisher's description, but pretty much captures it. Uh, so every year, summer begins with the Callahans who arrive on Mariposa Island. That's when Alana Finney gets to escape her unstable, controlling mother by babysitting for their two children. And the summer of 1986 promises to be extra special when she meets J.C., a new boy in town whose kisses make Elena feel like she's being transported to a new world. 
Joaquin Finney can't imagine why anyone would want to come to Mariposa Island. He just graduated from high school and dreams of going to California to find his father and escape his mother's manipulation. The Liars of Mariposa Island follows siblings Ilana and Joaquin with flashbacks to their mother's experience as a teenage refugee fleeing the Cuban Revolution. Sounds so good. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's The Liars of Mariposa Island by Jennifer Machu. Oh, man. So my next one is uh, The Library of Lost Things by Laura Taylor Namey. Um, It's about a teen girl uh, who's a literary genius, uh, absolutely smitten with books, uh, a teen pilot, uh, and the love story that blossoms between uh, the two of them. Just give me this book right now. It comes out uh, in October. From the moment she learned to read, literary genius Darcy Wells has spent most of her time living in the world of her books. There, she can avoid the crushing reality of her mother's hoarding and pretend her life is simply ordinary. But when a new property manager becomes more active in the upkeep of their apartment complex, the only home Darcy has ever known outside her books suddenly hangs in the balance. Uh, as she's struggling to survive beneath the weight of her mother's compulsive shopping, Aster Fleet, a former teen pilot, uh, which is something I'm super interested in. I, I, I really want to see how the story works. Uh, with an unexpectedly shattered future, walks into the bookstore where she works and straight into her heart. For the first time in her life, Darcy can't seem to find the right words. Fairy tales are one thing, but real love makes her want to hide inside her carefully constructed uh, ink and paper bomb shelter. Still, after spending her whole life keeping people out, something about Asher makes Darcy want to open up. But securing her own happily ever after will mean she needs to stop hiding and start living her own truth, even if it's messy. Uh, and that's The Library of Lost Things by Laura Taylor Namey, uh, out in October. My next one is a book that's out. It came out this summer, but I'm, I'm tucking it in here because I've seen so little talk about it. Um, and that is The Boy and Girl Who Broke the World by Amy Reed. Longtime listeners know Amy Reed is one of my favorite authors, and this book takes everything I love about her work, which uh, include well-drawn characters who are complex and messy, and then it amps it up with a slight supernatural twist. So uh, the boy in the story, Billy, and the girl in the story, Lydia, are best friends, made to be best friends, uh, when their small town high schools uh come together. They're, they're rival high schools, but they're merged into a single building because of funny cuts and um, this just being a reality of, of rural living. Um, they make the decision out of force and by choice to become friends, which is one of the big themes in this bizarre and strange and weird and awesome book that is about family, the kind you find, the kind you make. And it really reminded me a lot of the work of Sean David Hutchinson. So, um, Like I said, the story is set in an impoverished community and deals really well with social class, and it deals with what it's like to live in a place that's known for something weird. Um, In this particular case, Unicorns vs. Dragons is the book series that is set in this town um, a la Twilight, and it's also the town that's the birthplace of this famous rock star legend named Caleb, who is uh, not so thinly veiled as Kurt Cobain. so it's got this like bizarre, strange, fun um, set of like historical elements to what make this town the sort of place that it is. So there's a speculative undertone in the story, though a lot of it is grounded in reality. So Lydia is a Filipino girl who has no connections to her heritage, but has this real desire to connect with it. And Billy is a boy from a broken family who... Um, His uncle is Caleb, the famous Kurt Cobain sort of uh, character here. 
And Reed manages to also weave in this really interesting political um, thread throughout the story uh, that is a bit reminiscent of current political times. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is a book you go in knowing that there's not a huge plot, but it's instead about character development and about this really fantastic relationship that develops between Billy and Lydia. Uh, it's not a romantic relationship, but a platonic one, and really sort of looks at how friendships um, swell, and then they ebb, and then um, all of these external factors that can impact the sort of connection that you have with another person. And that is The Boy and Girl Who Broke the World by Amy Reed. All right. And my last pick uh, is one I haven't even seen the arc for this one yet. And this comes out in uh, October. Uh, when the Stars Lead to You by Ronnie Davis. Um, and I feel like my list is just a, a nonstop pick of debuts, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, yeah, is nice. Um, I'm really hyped for this love story. Apparently, it's a shifting timeline that tells the story from the past, present, and future, which sounds really fun. Um, although, I, I guess, I don't know, I, I guess it must shift chapter to chapter in some way, because I think every novel goes from past, present to the future. Uh, I don't know. I have, to, I have to actually see what the book looks like. Um, so 18-year-old Devin longs for two things, the stars and the boy she fell in love with last summer. Uh, when Ashton breaks Devin's heart at the end of the most romantic and magical summer ever, she thinks her heart will never heal again. But over the course of the following year, Devin finds herself slowly putting the broken pieces back together. Now it's senior year, and she's determined to enjoy every moment as she prepares for studying the galaxies. That is, until Ashton shows up on the first day of school. Can she forgive him and open her heart again, or are they doomed to repeat history? Uh, And that's When the Stars Lead to You by Ronnie Davis. I've got two I want to highlight, so I'll just rapid-fire them. The first one is Orpheus Girl by Bryn Rebel Henry, and I brought this one with me this week, and I cannot wait to dive in. I always say that I'm not a huge um, Greek mythology person, but that's a super lie because I love Orpheus stories and I love the books by Madeline Miller. So um, I don't know about you, but I have this thing where it's it's weird to think about the fact we say these things about our reading preferences that are just like blatantly untrue. You know, I don't like Greek mythology, except I, I do. Like my reading shows that I do. This debut Looks like something that would pair really, really well with All Our Pretty Songs by Sarah McCary, which is a book I loved. Um, it's out October 10th, and it's a debut novel by a super young author. Um, her bio says something about being born in 1999, and that about made me keel over in my old age. Um, I was in high school in 1999. Uh, so here's the here's the description. Abandoned by a single mother she never knew, 16-year-old Rhea, who is obsessed with ancient myths, lives with her grandmother in a small conservative Texas, sa- Texas town. For years, Rhea has been forced to hide her feelings for her best friend and true love, Sarah. When the two are outed, they're sent to Friendly Saviors, a re-education camp meant to quote-unquote fix them and make them heterosexual. Upon return, Rhea vows to assume the mythic role of Orpheus to escape friendly saviors and to return to the world of the living with her love, only becoming more determined after she, Sarah, and friendly saviors other teen residents are subjected to abusive quote-unquote treatments by the staff. In a haunting voice reminiscent of Sylvia Plath with a contemporary lyricism of David Levithan, Bryn Rebel Henry weaves a powerful inversion of the Orpheus myth informed by the real-world truths of conversion therapy. Uh, and that is Orpheus Girl by Bryn Rebel Henry, and it sounds fabulous. 
My last one, um, I want to make sure I sneak this one in because I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Um, Besides from the author, who is this incredible young writer, um, it is Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. And again, second debut by a super young author I'm including here. And this one comes out at the end of October. I think the 29th is when it comes out. Um, And again, publisher description. Simone Garcia Hampton is starting over at a new school. And this time things will be different. She's making real friends, making a name for herself as student director of Rent, and making a play for Miles, the guy who makes her melt every time he walks into the room. The last thing she wants, though, is for word to get out that she's HIV positive because last time that happened, things got ugly. Keeping her viral load under control is easy, but keeping her diagnosis under wraps is not simple. As Simon and uh, Simone and Miles start going out for real, Shy kisses escalating into much more. She feels an uneasiness that goes beyond butterflies. She knows she has to tell him she's positive, especially if sex is a possibility, but she's terrified how he'll react. And then she finds an anonymous note in her locker. I know you have HIV. You have until Thanksgiving to stop hanging out with Miles, or everyone else will know too. Simone's first instinct is to protect her secret at all cost, but as she gains a deeper understanding of the prejudice and fear in her community, she begins to wonder if the only thing to rise above is to face the, her haters head on. It sounds so good, and I can't think of um, any other YA books that deal with HIV um, in any capacity, at least recently, and so I suspect this is going to be a, a really, really good and important book, and that and that's uh, Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. I think that's our show. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Cool. It's getting loud in here, so I have to keep muting. So. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I will good. say my goodbye now while you do your sign-off. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for tuning in this week. If you have any feedback about the show that's not related to the fact that we are recording in less than ideal conditions this week, feel free to let us know on Apple Podcasts. That helps us know how we're doing, and also it lets other people find us. Thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen, which is my new name. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. And actually, Eric will talk to you with a special guest because I will be on vacation. So get excited about that, that special guest host. And we will talk to you again soon. 